Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, and welcome to another LARP Corner. I'm Luke. I'm Brian. And I'm Jeff. And sorry we missed you last month. Gonna say that right at the top. But with that, we're here now. Sometimes you gotta wait for the cake to bake. Just saying. Life gets in the way. Life gets in the way. So, we're gonna, set, we're gonna actually start with our first events first. Jeff, if you would be so kind. I'll pull up the old docket here. Still kind of barren with uh, the world happening. Alright, so, uh, starting in June, uh, there is the local renaissance fair in our large municipality about an hour away. That runs a Saturday-Sunday. Same Saturday, we also have uh, Dam Break, the Altera Reopen Day. They uh, apparently have uh, lifted their restrictions down in Oklahoma. Oh, nice. Uh, let's see, going down the docket there. Ragnarok got postponed again until next year. Ha ha. Ho and I have, uh, middle of July, I have Breaker's Gladiator Pits, the Invitational in Missouri. Uh, that was actually supposed to happen this coming weekend, but as it's been raining a lot there, so yeah, they it's had kind some, of a lake. They had some sort of, like, severe weather warning. Yes, yeah, I'm guessing it's going to be the same thing that happened during poop tides or mud gates. Uh, that is actually so he could, he explicitly stated to avoid having that happen again. <laughs> on the event page. And it gets... I think in August our local chapter is looking at hosting our uh, our annual event, but we're still in talks about that right now. Fair enough. I mean, I'd be more than down if you gave me the date beforehand, so I should be more than happy to come. Still barren besides that. It's maybe Chaos War in end of July, but I haven't seen anything about that. That might be postponed just like RAG. Now, mind you, with all these events, please keep in mind to make keep yourself isolated for two weeks, so that way you don't spread anything in case people have not been able to or cannot be vaccinated. Uh, even though we're getting the end of this, please be safe, people. But with that, we should get to our first drink, huh? Probably. So let's go with the murder in Moscow. Ooh. Swanky. Now, Jeff, where did you get these recipes from? So uh, my wife subscribed to a Hunt-A-Killer box, and this was part of their merch. You could order a book of murder-themed alcoholic mixed drinks. Oh, fun. From a top Seattle bartender as the author. Sounds nifty. Well, let's try this thing. This is basically a take on the Moscow Mule. Yes, it is. Murder in Moscow. Moscow, Moscow. Throw the lime inside the cup here. <laughs> oh. the edge. Three, two, one. Salute. Well, the upside is that actually does help mellow out that uh, ginger beer burn. Yeah, that was kind of a mean ginger beer we got there. Yeah, but that's a weird, like, wow. thing <laughs> that affects your nostrils. It's. I mean, this is good. It's definitely a mule. Oh, I didn't go with the traditional copper cup on that. I'm not sure, though. But this is his interpretation. Seattle's a weird place. I mean, yeah, because he wanted originally a tulip glass, which I have never heard of before. Because it literally looks almost like a blossom. 
This that is honestly the... kind of looked like it was like a like an eight ounce like wine glass to me. Almost, like actually, but it has a little more. It was more rounded than a regular wine glass. Sorry, we cut you off, Brian. This this is the drink that keeps on giving. It's thirty seconds, and I can still feel it in my mouth. <laughs> is that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know. It's a new thing. Sounds like it needs more experiments. I took a second sip, so let's go with good. Oh, perfect. So, well, I know there's some drink, there's a new thing that people have been kind of playing around with. I forget what it's called, it's like Buzz Beetles or something like that? No, it's not Buzz Beetles. It's plus something. It's a take on the Szechuan peppercorn, but it's basically like a bud that's supposed to kind of do the same thing, except it's more like an elect, like kind of numbs it, but also kind of tingles it at the same time. Okay. Apparently, apparently bartenders have been playing with that recently. I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, I definitely try it. I saw. It's not like you're basically chewing them down. You're just basically just letting it come out. I mean, it's not as bad as actually whole Szechuan peppercorns. Not that I've ever played with that. <coughs> not speaking from experience at all, that, what are you? <laughs> Anywho, let's get to our first topic. I know that on previous uh, What's New Bar Kids, I've talked more, well, a few times about my usual fighting style. So we're going to go with these two, because I don't think we've actually mentioned that with the, these two. So, Brian, let's start with you. Okay. I guess from a very broad perspective, my general approach is I recognized very soon, very early in my career, I'm never going to be able to keep up with these guys that have been doing it for 10 years and who like actually hit a gym with like appell to practice shots. I, I'm not that committed. So what I do have is, uh, first of all, I'm fairly ambidextrous and I use that to my full advantage. And the other thing is I... My general approach is I don't need to outplay you. I just need to outweird you. <laughs> um, I, I, a good stance I, <laughs> I decided to invest in developing uh, a play style just designed to make people uncomfortable and hope that I can win by virtue of them just not being ready for what I'm going to do. So what I have is <clears throat> just a regular blue one-handed sword in my right hand. And with a stabbing tip, because never build a sword without a stabbing tip. It gives you a foot of reach for free. They're very handy. Love stabbing tips. And then I've got a belt with a couple loops on it that I hang rocks from. And I have a rock in my left hand. And I've got, like, these uh, leather frogs with, like, snaps that I can release. And I can... I've practiced it enough where I can throw a rock and reach down to my belt and have another rock in my hands within one or two seconds. So very snazzy, like medieval bandolier. And, and the upside is with rocks is you basically get a free throwable buckler. You can block with it if you're feeling adventurous, but basically Do I, I value my hand. <laughs> I mean, what if you get a boulder and just like get one that covers your entire hand? Yeah. I mean, well, I think you technically could, depending on the rule set. I think you can, because it's only a max weight limit. Actually, even with Hearthlight, I don't think that's a thing anymore. I think Hearthlight, Hearthlight got rid does of the have a max weight limit. Yes. It does. Yeah, I know one of them doesn't. Anyway, yeah. So the I I am fortunate enough to naturally throw left-handed and naturally swing my sword right-handed, so it's perfect for me. And you can always tell when you run into someone that doesn't deal with rocks they're very uncommon on the battlefield typically because i don't even have to throw it at them i just have to threaten to throw it at them and they they don't react they they play defensively they you know lose the initiative they live in fear of it i've had times <laughs> where if i raise and lower the rock it's like their shield is on puppet strings <laughs> it gives me a lot of openings to first of all have a lot more distance than most one-handed fighters do and second of all, I can kind of control where their shield is and play head games with them. Like, I, I have a lot of times where I pump fake 
and then take a swing at their knees when their shield comes up and they blind themselves. There's only a couple of downsides with rocks, though. One, if you're dealing with a person who's actually used to playing with rocks, they are like, oh, okay. Oh, yeah, I had my fun for the first few months I brought it to practice, and then uh, people started just walking at me. (laughs) And the other problem with rocks? Helmets. Helmets. There needs to be a rule change where helmets break after one hit like every other piece of armor. I mean, I get the reason why it doesn't, but at the same token... I don't. There are games that do allow headshots. They're basically homebrews, but they are a thing. No, I mean from projectiles. Oh, projectiles. Legal strikes should break it like every other piece of armor. I mean, I guess, but now we're getting into semantics here. I don't know if semantics is the right word there, but... We're getting deep into like the actual rule set, and we're, I don't think that's what we're really trying to do here. Whatever. That's fair. I, I'm just a biased rock chucker, so that's my that's my general go-to. Just uh, the world's weirdest dual-wielding build. <laughs> now, Brian, yes. um, would you say that since locally people are used to you fighting that way, when you do score kills using that means here, does that make you more effective going abroad then? Oh, yeah. I've had a couple times where I go to other events, and people, like, they actually give me compliments on my rock-throwing ability. It's surprising seeing people that are clearly much more talented than me giving me compliments. It's a very alien experience. I, I totally get that. I know. I'm not used to being good. I have yet to get that. No one's coming to me and be like, hey, you fought good. I've had that happen a few times. I have yet to have that happen. I am not the best fighter at all. To be fair, I also log a lot more hours on the field than you do. Fair. What's that? Me doing all the cooking doesn't put me on the field as much? What? That just sounds like you're not trying hard enough there. <laughs> just imagine, like, carrying the friggin' stovetop while also trying to fight at the same time. Just get... Oh, man, that one just flipped it with my sword. Thanks a lot. I'm that hard, but I'm just saying, like, <laughs> when I'm down there cooking, like, I fight the full battlefields and then cook right after that. True, but I also try to do things that take prep time, and that's probably my downfall. You put effort into it instead of just making tacos. You're not efficient at your prep time usage? <laughs> Sorry, we're getting off topic. We are. Jeff, you're up. Hit us with some knowledge. What knowledge? (laughs) I would have to say my favorite weapon combo, bread and butter, sword and board. Classic. That's like everyone's go-to outside of maybe single blue. That being said, I do have a very healthy respect for single blue usage by itself. It is fundamental to everything. And debatably one of the harder things to run against other fighters. Mm Mm-hmm. Very much so. Because once you start getting into... Unless you're going up against a pole arm, which we'll get into that later, your blues are kind of at a disadvantage to most other fighting styles. You gotta be quick. Or agile. Because I know that you are tend to be more of the... Uh, jiggy is the wrong word. Basically the almost poppy, for lack of a better term, when it comes to fighting style. You're quick, you're nimble, and you kind of have a lot of snap to you. You've been doing that for quite a while. Always have... Although I do remember when you were the, the uh, first training dummy. Wait, I'm still not the training dummy? <laughs> I also remember when I was the antithesis of the training dummy. Alright, so we have Jeff over here. Go ahead, he'll just let you take swings at him. And then we have Luke over here. We don't go to that spot. <laughs> <laughs> sword and board has always been a classic. It's, everyone here, I think, has done sword and board. It's... I've had, for me, since I'm a bigger dude, I'm a slower dude, I need a bigger shield. 
because I can't do the light shield because I overcompensate or I don't go it there fast enough. Brian, you're medium to small, right? I feel like I'm a much quicker fighter. Yeah, you're, you're definitely faster than me, by far. I don't have much strength. I'm a skinny boy. I mean, you got the you got the dexterity, but you don't have quite the snap as Jeff, though. No, strength not at all. Matter. <laughs> it's all about those hit mechanics. Yeah, because Jeff, if we're basically hitting, you know, you know how in uh, boxing there's the what was it, the heavyweight, the midweight, and the I forget what the last one is. Welterweight. Yeah, we're basically hitting that triangle. It's basically a perfect trifecta of who wins against who. Because I have to go big, I have to go big sword, big shield. Because I'm a big dude, I have to rely on momentum. You can do both. Jeff kind of has to go for straight up speed. Gotta go fast. And for me, since we're kind of, we kind of just sword and board is kind of one of those. If you're not, if you are in the LARP scene and you're not trading the sword and board, which, why? That's like one of the, outside of single blue. That's like the next step. Well, I think we're in a unique position where we're kind of out in the sticks a little bit. We don't have a lot of larger battles. I suppose. So I feel like we focus a little bit more on small skirmish tactics and less on big line fights where, you know, traditionally, if you're not really good at fighting polearm, what are you doing? Or you're not used to having a big-ass shield, what are you doing? Right. So, like, we, we run into these, like... 4v4, 5v5 man fights, and we don't have to worry about forming a proper shield wall with pole arms in between them. It's true. I think that's just our region's general flavor text, though, is uh, much more skirmish fighters out in this part of the world. And then we get to me, who is pole arm. <laughs> Again, I'm a slow boy. I can't keep up with, with you two, or actually most of the group. And I'm also a big boy. Like, broad and weight. I have to rely on either my reach or my momentum. The The big thing with you is that everyone knows that you're about to swing and who you're about to swing at, but it doesn't matter because they have no choice but to respect your space. Because either they have to dodge or they have to take it full frontal. You can just zone out an entire area where no one wants to be. <laughs> zone control is actually pretty huge. It is. I mean, I'm great. If you get me in a line fight, I'm either going to be with a giant shield or I'm going to have... You, nine times out of ten, I'm with a pole, though. Because usually, almost always, especially in big battles, pole arms are a minimum. You need more poles. Shields are everywhere in big fights, though. They are friggin' everywhere. Same thing with archers, which, amazingly, none of us really are. I can if I have to be, but I'd much rather be on the line. I'm, like, almost an archer. <laughs> I have... <laughs> Like, a third as much range, but also if you run at me, I still have a sword. So that's I mean, my angle. I feel like you give him the good old-fashioned peekaboo with the rocks. I, yeah. I feel like you're more like a javelinier. The yeet stick. Fair enough. Or I suppose it'd be like a bombardier if you want to be more accurate. Or a You need a sling. Just be a rock slinger, dude. I've heard of an event where someone just had like a D-cup bra oh, that yeah. they were using to sling rocks. <laughs> but I've never... I've never figured out how to use a sling. I've never looked into it. Yeah, we, we're getting kind of distracted, though. With pole arms, though, you've got to be very, very careful, though. Because if you are alone, and you're not up against another pole arm, you're, you're kind of screwed. You only have one shot to save yourself, and if you miss it, you may as well just say, I'm dead. Butter knives save lives. They, they do, if you know how to use them correctly. I'm afraid I'm going to punch somebody by accident. <laughs> because I got that much of a swing that if I miss by just a hair... I might accidentally give someone a black eye. Well, metaphorically speaking. I wouldn't try to aim for the face. Not intentionally. 
the reds are kind of the same way if you think about it because the biggest strength of reds oh you got this momentum and power the biggest drawback of, of reds the weight because once you miss trying to correct yourself is an impossibility if you are super fast awesome but it's really 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 hard to get reds to slow down and stop I think part of that depends on the design of the red too. I try and balance my reds so they have like my reds are heavy, but they're more uh, easy, more easily controlled. Like it, if I overswing, I can come back easier with mine because more of the weight's towards my grips where the control is at. It's just, from my experience though, even if I'm just going like a min red, it's so easy to overshoot. And most of my stuff is super heavy because I need it to be super heavy. Like obviously not heavy enough to hurt a person. But heavy enough to know, hey, you're getting hit with this thing. Stop rhino hiding, you cheating bastard. Oof. Oh no, we totally haven't experienced that, have we, Jeff? No, not at all. Ugh. Oh, and nine times out of ten, you'll know who the red users are. Because they'll be about Jeff's size. I feel like that's not going to translate very well to a podcast. Uh, I don't think just, they can see me. Well, they also, we have described you as basically oh, a tall right. twig. Like, the, literally, if you are a twig, nine times out of ten, you are their red user. Because you are fast enough to keep on moving even with an autocorrect. Auto-tune red swings. <laughs> <laughs> like, literally, you're just scaring spin to win at this point. Demacia! <laughs> All right. Uh, is there, do we have any other points we want to... We actually have been talking about the pros and cons of sword and shield, though. I think we kind of just started talking. And then we just kind of lost it. Yeah. The biggest con of, of sword and shield, if, pull, if you have... If someone has a pole arm and they have a friend, that's the biggest problem with sword and shield, which is in a line fight, extremely common. Or because reds, if you know how to fight a red with a shield, you're good. But if that red is super quick and they break you down, not so good. I know a lot of people get really snappy reds where they can just they can fire off a red shield that's strong enough to break a red hit that's strong enough to break a shield every like half a second. Because a lot of people are just like. If you're thinking of reds, because we should probably clarify, reds are big weapons. They're like, what, five foot minimum? Or is it four foot minimum? Four foot minimum. Four foot minimum. So you're basically thinking this one person that's, so make sure anything that's about the size of... German longsword? Yeah, something like that. Because you basically picture like this big, hulk, you know, big, bulky dude. Someone that, you know, someone like me who's slow and whatnot, just swinging his heart. That's not how you run a red. That's how you get yourself killed. Picture <laughs> a barbarian. What's that barbarian holding? That's what you're, that's what we're basically thinking of. Yeah. If they have a big weapon and they have both hands on it, that's a red. Now imagine a barbarian holding that thing, but they fight like a fighter. That's how you're supposed to use one of those weapons. Yeah, basically, if you can, if you're supposed to hit it, take that momentum of it and just smack, smack. You're not supposed to just go, whoomp. Because once they hit that one block, congratulations, you left yourself completely open. Yeah, if, this, if the the shield user really knows what they're doing, as soon as you start your big wind-up, they're already stepping in, because... With a weapon that long, the closer you are to them, the more you can press your advantage with your shorter and more agile one-handed weapon. And you can also use your shield to just kind of pin their weapon out of the way. Granted, there's also ways for people who are slower enough to try to combat that, but it's just, then we'll just go back and forth into, well, my, well I do this and I do this. The, you know the, you know those little kid fights? No, uh my shield blocked this. No, uh I totally hit you. It'll go into that kind of argument. Ah, good times. For those of you who are combatants, I'm going to say this right now. Please don't be dickheads. Take your shots. Do my best, too. I mean, I try my best as well. Sometimes I get the adrenaline. It's like, oh, shit, did I, did I get hit? All right, whatever. I'll take it. I'll take it. I get it. Adrenaline's high. Competition, blah, blah, blah. 
and we got distracted again. But to stop us from getting distracted, we should probably take our first break. Ah, yes. A word from the sponsors. This episode is sponsored by Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. They have creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you when you're done, so you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever the heck you listen to your podcasts. You can also make money from your podcast. Ka-ching! With no minimum on how many listeners you have. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Also, it's free. <laughs> you can't get much better than free. Just be sure to download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And we're back. Hello, yet. All right, let's start our next drink up here. It is called the Red Rum? I, I think it's just literally baseline Red Rum. All right. Um, double check the recipe quick. Please do. I I should have mentioned this earlier. The uh, Murder in Moscow is literally a complete recipe for a Moscow meal. It is a Red Rum. One word. Red Rum. Red Rum. Which, for those of you who don't get the reference, read or watch The Shining. That's why that's not my flavor. And if you're going to watch The Shining, set aside, for, like, what, three hours so, for it? So long. I will say, though, the I know this is going to sound like the opportunity, just meh, but of course, the book is much better than the movie. I know, I know, I'm getting that face, but it legitimately is because Kubrick did an amazing job, don't get me wrong. Like he always does. But he really did not do a good job on the family relationship between those three at all. Like, it was not... He was just focusing on the, oh, look, we're going to have just focus on Jack Torrance, because he was totally the... Ma- Sorry, I'm getting distracted. I'll probably cut this all out. Anyway, red rum. What's in it, Jeff? Red rum. Oh, there. Put the recipe away. All right, so the rum. Uh, as you can guess, there is rum. Yep. What? Fun facts. And then we got uh, some muddled strawberry, simple syrup, and uh, lime juice. All right, let's try this. Pretty straightforward. Three, two, one. Cheers. Ooh. Ooh, damn. Ooh, damn. That's good. Not better than the initial impressions when we well, uh, I mean, when I got the, the smell, test run. <laughs> well, when I got the uh, smell of it, it smelled like not quite fully ripe strawberries. So I thought it was going to be like really, really tart. This is actually really good. It is a little tart. Yeah, but it's not as tart as it was, as the smell gave off. Though. Right. So I was expecting it to be a lot more. I was expecting it to be like cherry tart. Ah, okay. It's like. Because when you, you know when you get underripe strawberries and you just. And you get that super tartness with it. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was thinking we were going to get. And this is real good. Like, this is legitimately a danger drink. I could maybe take four of these down. And then stand up and fall over. Neat. Yeah, I could see myself drinking this. Just get me a sixer of this. Right? <laughs> Alright, well we kind of talked about what our usual is. Let's <laughs> talk about our not so usual. The ones we're not that good at. Or the ones we really hate doing, even if we are good at them. So we'll start with Brian again. As previously mentioned, um. I'm not a big dude. I'm kind of small and I'm quick. And uh, don't give me a polearm. Like, <laughs> I have I have a red weapon just because I want to have one of each just if the mood takes me. And I've brought it to God. events. <laughs> I've brought it to events and like the weapons checker will look at it and kind of roll their eyes and be like, ugh, another min red weapon. And I'm like, I can't help it. I'm a min person. <laughs> It's not a min red, it's just a regularly sized red for me. What do you want from me? So you're like, what, 5'9", five, 5'10"? Five, Something like that. Yeah, so it's not that Brian is super short, it's just that... I'm just like... Average. Yeah. I'm like 5'10 and like 100... And 
50, 60 pounds? I don't know. Like a good size for me. For me, that would be for me that would be a blue. Like min reds, unless they're super heavy, are basically a blue for me. Yeah, I I don't really. My other thing is I don't. I feel like I don't quite swing hard enough. I go for very light technical hits, and that does not mesh well with two-handed weapon. Well, like, even when I'm using body mechanics, I'm trying to... I, I go for accuracy over power most of the time. Which is actually for the best, because Jeff can attest, when I first started out, I went power over accuracy, and I made a couple of bad shit. It was up. all power. <laughs> it was all power, no aim. I Actually, as one of our friends actually put it, it was perfect aim, but only in two spots. <laughs> Well, right. That's like the first thing you have to learn when you're fighting is like the, the most important thing is discipline. You get those edgelords that are like, her, her, I I would fight, but like, oh, I wouldn't be able to control myself. I'd, I'd just go nuts and hurt someone. And like, that's supposed to be impressive, but everyone else I just looks at them. Like I've had to deal with two edgelords exactly like that. Oh, Jesus yeah, they're they're either like edgelords that are convinced that they'll be anime swordsmen and like hurt people, or they're like martial arts students that are afraid they can't turn off beast mode and they'll like punch someone in the face. And in both cases, the response is the same. Why do you have so little discipline? With that description, I guess I know three people then. Right? Mm. Oh no, that's I get it because for me, I tr- do try to avoid getting you know hitting people. I do try to hit center of mass almost all the time. But I understand when you're first starting out, it's a it's a problem, especially if you're a big dude like I am. Yeah, if you're not used to swinging a weapon, that's one thing. But if you're, like, proud of your risk of hurting people, like, don't be. Although we got distracted again. Oh, I was distracted. It's good side banter. Yeah. Um, Might not be relevant, but uh, put it in your notes, boys. Context. <laughs> it's important. To be fair, I think part of that, though, is also the just the rule set what's a legal strike with given type of weapon. One of my, like, books that I read for teaching, the Book of the Five Rings, you know, every shot should be a kill shot. So, like, your center of mass theory technically works there, because center of mass would be a kill shot. Well, my biggest thing is, I don't mean to interrupt you. No, no, you're good. But when I first started out, it was more... This is going to sound kind of edgelordy, I'm not trying to be, but my brain literally went into fight or flight. So whenever you see a threat, if you're fighting, what's your first thing to trying to do? Stop the threat. Which, yep. if you go for the head, odds are they're going to stop. Or if you go for the junk, odds are they're probably going to stop moving. Both those are valid points. Which for me was probably why I, was, I had such a big problem back in the day. Because my brain was literally like, we need to get this to stop. Discipline. I know, I've gotten better about that. Discipline. Discipline. <laughs> <laughs> I've gotten significantly better about that. It's just back in the day, it was like, I can understand why people might have a harder time turning that off. I follow where you're coming from with that, yeah. Anyway, yeah. you were saying five rings and kill shots. Oh, yeah, just uh, like like literally in the first teaching, it's uh, you're focusing your strike to hit the other person. Every shot should be thrown with intent to kill with that shot. I can dig it. I mean, it makes sense. Stop a threat. Stops a threat. Conservation of energy. Efficiency. For reds, that's usually the go-to anyway, because the biggest problem with reds is the endurance. Because if you can't get that shield out of the way and just go for the kill, you're going to wear yourself out super fast. I don't I don't know how people do it. Reds are so exhausting to fight with. <sighs> if, you're, if you're going with me, a min red for me is a blue. So I could actually go with that all day. Because it's 
for my size, it's perfect. Because I'm a little bigger, I have a little more shoulder strength, it's fine. Now, once we get into poles, I, you were saying you don't like pole arms, and I can kind of understand that too, because you're basically dragging that at your side at all times. You can't let that drop, because if you let that drop, either hand drop, you're, you're done. In the rules of what games you do, a one-handed long arm pole arm is worthless. Very awkward. Because the best case scenario, if not wearing armor, you can maybe score a hit, but you're just like literally bending your arms at awkward angles using so much force to angle it properly. I mean, I get where you're coming from. I, For me, that doesn't bother me because, again, I'm slow and I'm a lineman. I'm used to ducking. Because fuck arrows. Jeff? Yeah, you touched on, like, the the five rings a little bit. I don't think you really got into, like, your least favorite. Yeah, sorry. Oh, I thought we were still on yours. Oh, my least favorite, honestly, probably be pole arms also. Really? Well, stabby only pole arms. Okay, that's fair. That is actually extremely fair. Because I can run spear, that's not an issue. My only problem with stabby pole arms is brand new people and instinct. Because your instinct when you have a weapon like that is to swing. That my, that is part of my issue is instinct. No, I'm not brand new. But I'm like, well, I got this thing. I should, you know, use it any way possible. So yeah, I'll stab. There's heat of the moment. I've definitely caught myself like coming around full on. For, yep. like, a headshot with it, like, on the haft. Yeah. yeah. And most of the techniques you use if you actually had a spear are not valid. Like, spears do still have a cutting edge for, like, the whatever six inches at the tip where yep. they have the metal part. And, like, haft and butt strikes are extremely valid, and none of those apply. So Part of fighting is yeah. breaking people's rhythm and momentum. I get that, too. I do. I understand why they don't allow butt strikes, because let's be honest here, unless you had a huge-ass pommel, that's a huge, significant, you know, threat. It's a you'd, huge safety hazard. Yeah. You'd have to have the pommel be padded enough where it's just another striking and surface. It would literally have to be considered almost like a... Uh, double-ended weapon. A double-ended weapon, yeah. yeah. And at that point, it's like, what's the... You may as well just have a, a staff at that point, then. Right. Because it's more or less the same thing. Well, now we got to swing back to me. No pun intended. <laughs> As a big dude, my least favorite... You would think it would be daggers. Oh, no. No, no. Daggers actually can be kind of fun, because I can actually get in close and try to grapple. Because once you get a person's arm with a single dagger, it's... At that point, it's just a fight for the dagger. My least... <laughs> my least favorite... Two-handed blue. I... Hate it. Dual wielding. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I can't. I'm not fast enough to keep up with you guys at all. Here's the other thing. A lot of the people in general are faster than me. They're also. I'm gonna say in general, not completely, but in general, most people are also smaller than me in weight and size. Fair. So it's really, really hard for me to try to keep up or chase after because that's the biggest upside to two-handed blue. You get a lot of mo you get a lot of mobility. And you get a lot more chances to hit. Got a well, very sonic and move in, fast. In my experience, like obviously the the big benefit of dual wielding is that you can throw out two attacks at once. Yeah. But a lot of newer people or people that aren't experienced with dual wielding, they don't do that. You can tell if someone hasn't put much time into dual wielding because they're almost never throwing two shots at once. You they they have a weapon in each hand and it's right hand swing left hand swing, right hand swing, left hand swing, or they get creative and they swing both of them. Oh, the cross section. Yeah, they, they swing both of them at the exact same time. But what you really, in my experience, what you really want to do 
is you want to have them like halfway offset where I guess my, my general strategy is you have, you throw your first, like let's say you start out with the right hand, you throw the right hand shot. Yep. I don't expect the right hand shot to kill at all. I know this flies in direct conflict to what the Book of Five Rings is saying, but I'm not throwing a kill shot with the, the right hand mm -hmm. because the right hand is solely there to bait out a response. It's there to put the other person in a position where I can follow up more strongly with the left hand. So I'll do like a really wide wrap shot with the right hand. Obviously their shield goes back and to their left side to counter that. Well, now the shield isn't in front of them and just half a step behind that, I'm going in with the left hand. Mm -hmm. And now I didn't throw a kill shot with the right hand, but it was a setup to, I can strike two places at once. They can only defend one of them at once. And a lot of people, if you're good at dual wielding, you can be doing two things at once, but not a lot of people can defend one strike and counterattack at the same time. Well, that's one of the actual downside, another downside of dual wielding, at least from my my experience, experience defending it, unless you're super quick, there is an air of predictability. Granted, you can say that for almost every weapon, but blue specifically, especially, like you said, they're not used to it because they have to follow the same pattern to keep things moving. So if you know that, for instance, that right one is coming, you can just step back and go for that shot in the center. Oh, right. You can say that for almost any weapon yeah. type, though. Like I said, you're predicting that shield to go up with the, um, with the sheet, with the sword and board. You can say the same with blues. If they go for the strike, they're going to try to go center of mass or maybe a little below to try to trip you up. Yeah. Which all you got to do is sidestep. It's literally all about predictability and planning. It's just an arms race between uh, tactics. And if you play with the same group of people, like you find a trick that works and it works for a month or two and then it suddenly stops working. Or, you know, you keep on simoing against the same person because you have the same fighting style and it gets super annoying. Now that I have experience with that. Carp! <laughs> <sighs> Legitimately, that always happens between me and Carp. We always simo. Or we, because it always is like, all right, legs, shit. We both go down. We go for each other. Hit each other in the back. Shit. We're done. Carp says something like, you whore. Like, <laughs> what? He would, he never says something like that. Oh, no, never. never. That I, I actually would love to try to experiment more with, although it's, my aim is really, really terrible, so it's not really worth the time. Javelins. I. Because uh, Javelin's, in my opinion, is the better version of the rock. No offense to you, Brian. I would disagree. Because at least if the Javelin hits the center, it still kills. I've never hit someone with the shaft of a rock. <laughs> <laughs> or if you get into melee mode, you can actually still strike a person with the said weapon. That is true. It's like my favorite feature of the Javelin. Yeah, because you expect someone to chuck it, and it's like, mm, no. And they're like, oh, you're not going to chuck it? All right. Oh, look, you just left your center of mass open. That's the biggest problem with charging as well. Unless you're literally tightening up, you're literally leaving your center open as I'm making this motion no one else can see. Nice dance moves. Right? Mm, beautiful. Also, another fun problem about pole arms, I'm not sure if you guys are aware with. Have you guys ever tried to charge with a pole arm? It's not easy. It's uh, very difficult, yes. Yeah. I never charge with pole I arms because... I always fixed bayonet charge when <laughs> I charge with the pole arm. My, my whole play style with pole arms is maintain maximum distance when it can because I have a reach advantage. I don't know if I've ever charged someone down with a polearm. So because of how a polearm is unfortunately designed, you only have two options. You either keep it at your side and try to do like a hobble forward, or you have to keep it horizontal and just keep on going forward, which sadly is legal because you're not striking with it, you're just moving forward. 
it's a cheap tactic, and it might hurt people, but it is legal. Hmm. So why we sign waivers, people. At that point, if you're not swinging with full momentum, you're literally just running. Unless you do like a bad run, it's probably not going to hurt anybody unless they're in need. Which at that point, you shouldn't be charging at them. It's actually explicitly illegal to charge a need person. There's been times I've been charged at while in need. It sucks. It's not saying it doesn't happen, but I'm pretty sure it's you're not supposed to do a... Uh... There's, there's very strict rules about when you can do shield bashes and shield checks, which are apparently different things. They are... So I think if you're on your knee, you can actually do a running step up to, I think it was like three... Two steps. Two steps? Two yeah, steps. if they need, you can... Within two steps, you can still... shield check them from the front or the sides, never from the back. Yep. At that point, that is still a huge, dangerous thing. If someone catches the knee and say you have a shield, just catches under your jaw, which has happened. Doesn't feel great. Yeah, no. personally, regardless of what's strictly legal, I just, you know... Just tend to use discretion. I'm not really a big charger in the first place, but certainly not against need people. Yeah, and getting knees and legs and caught in between charging is also a thing. And it's a honestly, I'm not an advocate for chargers charging in general because best case scenario you get a mosh pit. Worst case scenario you get injuries. Even if it's technically allowed by the rule set, you're still going to feel like a dick if, mm-hmm. you know, you visit them in the hospital and you're like, well, technically I didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> you know, they probably won't appreciate that Hallmark card. <laughs> I'm sure Hallmark makes a card for that. All right. Sorry I broke your leg, but I didn't do anything wrong. It's like one of those apologies It's not actually an apology. <laughs> like, I'm sorry you got in the way of me hitting you. I'm acknowledging that this is unfortunate, but denying any personal responsibility. <laughs> Here, get, talk to my lawyer. He'll sue you. Sounds like that one meme with uh, Wreck-It Ralph. Sorry I hit you, but uh, I hit you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> You're a bad guy, but not bad guy. I do enjoy a good dual wheel like fight, mm-hmm. but I have found that it definitely comes down to the weapons you're using for that. It's one thing you pick up a couple swords and start swinging yeah. but like if you pick up a couple swords that are made to be like be swung in tandem with each other well not necessarily in tandem but you know yeah. used at the same time like their intended purpose was to be paired. It is a way different experience. You already know my feelings on double blue so. Yeah I, I know. You asked what we were yep, feeling. Yep, like, yep, yep. Yeah. Uh, that was my I was just giving a follow up lead. Brian I'm always down for a good knife fight, you know. Ah, yes, oh, it's yeah. the knife fights. It's like the knife fights above all else, where I f- are when I feel like I'm moving my fastest. I have a lot of days where I get done with practice and I'm just thinking about it afterwards, and I'm like, man, I know I'm faster than that. What's <laughs> going on? And then like I get into a knife pit, and I'm like, oh god, <laughs> I'm so fast. That's actually one of the cool things about knife fights as well. Realistically speaking, I would be terrible in a knife fight. It was just like you get one per. It was just one on one, and we both had knives. And I was just strictly solely using a knife. I'd lose every time. But if you guys, but because grappling is legal, right? I actually have to stand a fair chance. That's the thing about knife fights. Never neglect your open hand. Never. It's so. I've had so many times where uh, carp goes in for a stab, and I just swat it down with my left hand. Yep. No, <laughs> I just bitch slap him on the knuckles <laughs> and counter hit. <laughs> And it works it fairly reliably. Because in the game of most most of these boffer sports, if you think you have an empty hand, a lot of people think it's worthless. It's not. You can do a lot of things with it, especially if you're not wearing armor or anything. You can literally just grab a person by the wrist and just stab, 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 stab. 
or you can just drag them to the ground if they want to keep on resisting. I've had times where I'm doing my rock and sword and I'm pairing off against a polearm and I'll literally just drop my rock so that I have an open hand to try and grab his uh, haft. Oh yeah, which is also another fun technique with polearms because you know the people are going to try to do that. Actually, you will use that against me once, you bastard. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, literally, he's used my momentum against me. God damn it. Uh, short story. Are we detouring? We're detouring a smidge. Okay, let's do it. Okay, right. the so, road's flooded. Um, you had a... Are we, are we going to explain the game mode or just do the story? Let's just go... We're, we're, we're just start right. we were just start off. We were basically in a ring formation. I yeah. was polearm. It's basically... Details don't matter. It's me against like a whole group of people, and I just keep respawning until I kill them all. Luke has a spear. He did a low shot to try and catch my legs, and I turned my hips sideways, and he went right in between my legs, and I happened to be turning sideways, so I like leg locked the shaft of his spear by ac purely by accident. <laughs> and there's like a short beat where we're both like, oh shit, that just happened. <laughs> and about that time, I'm like, wait a minute, I've trapped his spearhead. So I reach down with my left hand and grab onto the shaft at the same time that Luke is thinking to himself, wait a minute, my spearhead is trapped. And he just does like a big, like lean forward and like pull, just heaves backwards. And so I grab onto the shaft and just get launched directly <laughs> through the line. And I basically, like, run into him. And I I happened to, like, bring my sword around and hit you on the back yep. in midair. And I got hit, like, five times in midair, but you're technically Style not... Style points. You're technically not dead until you hit the ground, and no one was going to take that kill away from me. Nope. It was too good. So, yeah. Don't neglect your open hand. You can be used for uh, barehanded parries if you're really quick. You can use for... Uh, grappling and controlling weapons. Or controlling arms. And, worst case scenario, you can use it as peasant armor. <laughs> oh, if yeah. you don't have anything in that hand anyway, you can use it to soak up a hit coming towards your body. Which, if you're going, which if you're a big dude and you like using single blues, that's honestly the best option you have. Oh, is that? Someone's going for a quick shot to your, to your left. Take it, swing to their open hip, just on. Just roll and let it hit your shoulder. Yeah. Preferably arm. Alright, but with that, I think we should probably call it. I've been Luke. I've been Brian. I'm Jeff. And we hope you guys have a good one. Catch you next month. Hopefully. The plan, anyway. Bye. Laters. Thanks for listening. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.